It's 4 o'clock and time for the Calvary Live Show, taking your calls and questions about life, the Bible, and living in Jesus. The number to call is 303-690-3000. Let's join Calvary Live right now. Good afternoon, everyone, and welcome to today's edition of Calvary Live. I'm actually going to date today's uh Today's show, just I normally don't mention the date in case it gets re-aired, but I, I want to date it uh, because of the delay in on the East Coast and just the fact that we are a few days past the uh, most horrific mass murder tragedy in American history in Las Vegas. Today's October 4th, Wednesday, and My name is Ed Taylor. I'm the pastor here at Calvary in Aurora, and I want to take your calls on the topic of Las Vegas. I want to help you process. I want to help us process this horrific tragedy. I want to help us process the reality uh, in which we live. I want to help go to the Word together. Um, I've got a lot to share. I was hoping to get the pastor of Calvary Chapel in Las Vegas on the phone with us today, but that didn't work out. Uh, to get an update. He might answer me during the time, but I know that they are uh, overwhelmingly full uh, with ministry as we were uh, when uh, our own tragedy hit the city of Aurora uh, so many years ago, and five years ago to be exact. And uh, we'll see if he calls in. Um, But I do want to talk about that. I do want you to call in. You guys listening on the East Coast, I know you're getting this a week delayed. And that's just one of the things that, um, that's one of the things that you um, that you have when you have a week delay on the program, uh, and so uh, I'll take other calls, um, but I prefer to talk about this in particular. Uh, but I'll let the show develop as it is. I see that the the couple of the couple of the calls are already Bible, general Bible questions, and I'm open to that. Whatever's on your mind, I'll, I'll be able, I, I definitely want to discuss it. But before I get to the phone lines, I want to read to you, <clears throat> excuse me, something that I posted today. Boy, I'm hoping um, that this little tickle in my throat goes away if I don't have to keep clearing my throat. Um, but my friend, Pastor Bill Welsh, uh, was um, out out here previously. We've had him out here. He's a good friend of mine. He's the pastor of Calvary Chapel in Huntington Beach, California. Uh, He wrote an article for calvarychapel.com that I'd like to read to you. Uh, And I posted on our social media. And uh, I want to read it to you so that uh, you just be encouraged by it. He He wrote an article entitled, Response Versus Reaction to the Las Vegas shooting. This is found at calvarychapel.com. I've run out of fingers and toes to count tragedies. Just in the U.S., and just in the last five years, over 20 mass shootings have taken place in locations as diverse as Colorado Movie Theater, a Florida airport, a Connecticut elementary school, an Arkansas nightclub, a South Carolina church, a Sikh temple in Wisconsin, and an office Christmas party in San Bernardino, California. All but one of the perpetrators had been men. The lone woman was an accomplice of her husband. 
A few were declared supporters of the Islamic terror organization ISIS. Most took their own lives. Only a few survived to stand trial. However, the most remarkable element in every sad case has been the response of those who rushed in either to stop the attacks or to come to the aids of victims. Some heroes were targeted themselves. Some were passerby unable to watch evil unfold unchallenged before them. The words react and respond are technically synonyms, but there's a significant difference between a visceral knee-jerk reaction and a thoughtful, redemptive response. I want to repeat that. There is a significant difference between a visceral knee-jerk reaction and a thoughtful, redemptive response. Initial reactions range from tears, screams, hate-filled accusations, profanity-laced threats, retaliation, and even emotional breakdowns. However, helpful responses open doors of escape in the midst of chaos. In the aftermath of these tragedies, stories of such responses always emerge. Trained officers raced toward gunfire in Las Vegas, but also civilians became rescuers, covering and carrying victims to safety. They were all just decent people helping friends and strangers. Personal vehicles became makeshift ambulances. Wheelbarrows became stretchers to rush the injured toward safety. Young men and women placed themselves in danger to shield the targeted from flying bullets or carry victims to safety, though most had no idea which direction the shots were originating as the concert ground became the killing field of a deranged sniper perched 32 floors above them and about a quarter of a mile away. These first responders, professionals, and volunteers were doing what they could to provide refuge. Their sole hope was survival for themselves and those around them. The best of those present in Las Vegas on the evening October 1st were standing between life and death as shields of defense. We are baffled at the depths of darkness to which a man's heart can sink. Yes, we're all sinners capable of great depravity. Many have pointed out that each of us are capable of any aneous act. Nonetheless, this all seems so senseless. All the same questions will be posed again by reporters, journalists, radio talk show hosts, co-workers, family, and friends. Where are their warning signs? Where does the violence come from? Why is it so prevalent? And why has such extreme violence become so commonplace? It seems ironic that as I write this, just as a side note, this is Bill Welsh writing on calvarychapel.com. It seems ironic that as I write this, sitting in a coffee shop, a woman has just walked in with two young girls, ages 10 or 11. Both girls are wearing Taekwondo t-shirts. And as the woman places her order, the girls practice a mock attack. One girl plays the assailant, picking up a metal thermos bottle and slow-mo, with teeth bared like a Doberman dog, brings the weapon across the face of her victim, who recoils with a practiced dramatic scowl, slowly rolling her head away from the point of impact until the adult intervenes with, Knock it off, girls! Moments earlier, I saw an Instagram pic posted within hours of the Las Vegas massacre showing two early teenage Aussie brothers looking viciously into a camera with pirate swords drawn 
and standing in a threatening pose. Apparently, the desire for dominance lives in a good number of us. Why is there violence? It has become sport on every screen of every size. We must remind ourselves that we indeed live in a very in a terribly broken world. Senseless violence happens all over the world every day. The bigger question is this. How do we follow Jesus' response in the presence of such evil and heartbreak? Here's what I know for sure. Number one, we must not allow ourselves to be frozen in fear. We can't hide away. We must be present with grace, hope, and kindness. We must speak openly of Jesus as the hope and healer of the wounded heart and the shattered life. Number two, we must weep with those who weep. Entering into their suffering as Jesus did with Mary and Martha over their brother Lazarus' recent death, even though he was about to call him back to life. Number three, we must intercede for those wounded and the family of all lost victims as they seek to recover from their profound loss. Number four, we must intercede for America. This has gone on too far and too long. Number five, we must seek God for our next action step. Perhaps giving blood or donating through an online fund to help cover crises expenses to those in need. We could team up with a Las Vegas church asking for street teams of Good Samaritans to pray and comfort the shaken people of their city. It's time for the church to step outside of the churches to be church on the battleground of our streets. Jesus has no hands and feet on earth but ours, no voice speaking truth, hope and healing and gospel to hurting souls around us but our voice. In Exodus chapter 3, God told Moses, I have seen, heard, and know of the suffering of my people, and I've come to deliver them. Then Moses' surprise, God said, and I'm sending you to bring my people out. May we hear God speaking those same words to us. Moses felt inadequate, so do I. But it's time to move beyond being reactionaries and become the first responders for the Prince of Peace. This is Bill Welsh, pastor at Calvary Chapel, in Huntington Beach, he wrote this article on calvarychapel.com. You can also follow him on Twitter at Pastor Bill Welsh, W-E-L-S-H. And we've had him out here at Calvary. He is a good man of God and a very, very good friend of mine. The, the real deal. And I encourage you, if you're looking for an article to share, uh, this has been posted on, uh, I, this has also been posted on my social media uh, to get to it quickly. 303-690-3000 is the number. My name is Ed Taylor. Uh, one more thing before we get to our phone lines, which uh, we have one open phone line. If you want to talk about Las Vegas today and you want to talk about these things in a biblical manner, I'm open and I'm ready uh, and I'm going to um, be open to the Holy Spirit in discussing these things. We have a special night of prayer here at Calvary tonight. Uh, we are setting aside uh, a specific sp- amount of Focus direct prayer as a church family tonight uh, here at Calvary. Uh, and then, uh, so we're going to come together and we're going to worship together. Uh, the elements of communion will be available. We're going to hear from one of our mission teams that just went to Israel. And then we're going to break off into prayer groups and we're going to pray directly. So whether you come to Calvary or not, if you want to come and pray with us, we're also going to be broadcasting it live online. Where you can join us online wherever you are. And we're also going to be broadcasting, which we normally don't do, uh, but we're going to have live prayer on Grace FM. And so we're going to set it up. We've been 
talking about the the big picture and the guys have been working on the details today. Uh, but you're going to be able to, usually we just play music while we're praying as a church, uh, but we're not going to do that this time. You're actually going to hear our prayers and we're going to have people specifically praying uh, into a microphone on the radio live. So you can join us virtually wherever you are. I, I hope you don't turn the dial. I hope you don't turn to do something else. Uh, I know that there's baseball on tonight and uh, I'm a baseball guy, uh, but I'm, I'm not interested in baseball uh, as much as I love that sport. I'm interested in interceding. We need to be a house of prayer, and we're inviting a citywide prayer tonight. I know it's last minute. It's only a couple hours before we start our service at 7 o'clock, but it's never too late to prayer, and it's never too late to join us virtually. You can join us online at calvaryaurora.org. You can join us online with any, uh, any device through our app. Uh, just go to your app store, download our app, by searching Calvary Aurora. Uh, you can watch our live service, I think, through the Grace FM app, too. If I'm, I haven't looked lately, but I'm pretty sure you can connect to our church through the Grace FM app as well. Uh, and we're just inviting you wherever you are. Now, of course, you guys on the East Coast, uh, you're listening to this a week later, um, but I'm hoping that you're tuned in on the app and you can pray with us from the East Coast. Um, and, and we're not going to stop. It's not, prayer, our prayer is not an event. It's a lifestyle. And I just felt burdened this morning. We already changed our service this morning at our staff meeting, but I felt like it was as we were talking and discussing, and like we want we want you to join us. We want you to pray with us. Uh, we want you to to let, let's stand in the gap. Uh, the very least we can do for for those in Las Vegas uh, is to stand in the gap. And of course, uh, so many others have experienced. A tragedy in our own city. I know it's been five years, but this stuff opens up wounds, and maybe you've got a form of PTSD. Um, I, I hate to use that phrase because people associate that with war, uh, but it's not just war, and I don't want to lose people by using a phrase. If you've got head problems because of the Aurora Theater shooting, um, we want you to pray. We want God to be the God of deliverance for you. We want you to know that you're not alone. We want you to know that even though it's been five years, you still can't sleep. Now, I've got a brother in the church that this has greatly troubled him, and he was in the, a theater adjacent to the shooting theater here in Aurora. And I've also got another brother in the church who hasn't slept better, and I haven't talked to him after the shooting uh, yet, but before the shooting, he had just began to, to be um, recover from his time here in the Aurora theater shooting. So... This is something close to our heart in our city, in our metro area. Not only the Aurora Theater shooting, but Columbine on the other end of town, uh, which happened just before I moved here, um, just before I moved here. And it happened in April of 1999, and I moved here in July of 1999. And I remember that day like it was yesterday because I worked for an ambulance company, a national ambulance company that had ambulances on the scene, just like last night. It was actually the same same company that was at the shoot scene last night in Vegas, AMR. I worked for AMR for many years. Uh, they're a national uh, ambulance company, and, and we were getting firsthand reports of what was going on at Columbine right from our ambulance paramedics. Um, so those first responders, we've got focused prayer trying to cover as many people as we can tonight. And I know I'm saying a lot, and I know I'm speaking fast, but I want to encourage you to do something you've never done before. Pray over the radio. I want to encourage you to do something you've never done. Turn on 
your computer or your phone and pray with us on the phone. Um, I'm in, I want to encourage you to do something you've never done. Come to our church service tonight and be a part of it in person if you can. Uh, but let's do something. We can't do everything, but church, let's do something. And it all starts with prayer. And who knows how God will answer? Uh, who knows how he'll lead us? Who knows where we'll go? Uh, but we are willing and ready to go. Um, and so then, one more thing, this weekend I have a very special message entitled a proper resp- The Right Response to Sudden Terror. The Right Response to Sudden Terror. And I want to encourage you in that area and let the Lord um, minister to your heart. And we're going to pray. If one person shows up to pray or a thousand show up to pray, we're going to pray. That's it. We're, we're getting our kids to pray. Uh, we're, we're getting our church to pray. And I'll be encouraged to pray with anybody that the Lord would hear our prayers. 303 is the number. Okay, you guys have been waiting patiently, so let's get to it. Anthony in Denver, welcome to the program. Hello, Pastor. Hey. Um, I I hope I don't talk like you, you know, a lot real fast, but I have a lot to say. Well, let's go ahead and shorten it. Let's give me the Reader's Digest version so we can open up the lines for some other dialogue. How about we get right to it? Um, at work. What's that? And, um, I have a friend at work. Okay. I can safely say he's my friend. Good. We're friends. Uh, he's an atheist. He don't believe in nothing. The only thing he believes in is uh, evolution. Okay. Uh, we just got a discussion now, and uh, right before work, right before work ended, and I, uh, I'm afraid my friend's not going to make it to heaven. Okay. He's not saved, um, and uh, I just don't know. I know I'm supposed to just plant the seed. And God take over from there. He waters the seed. True. But uh, I just feel he's he's not. I might not be the one to save him. And um, I just need. Uh, I just don't know. Are, are is everybody that? Not everybody's going to heaven, right? That's correct. That's from the lips of Jesus Himself. So if we believe Jesus at His teaching. He told a man by the, ne- by the name of Nicodemus, he said that, that God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whoever would believe in him should not perish, that's one option, but have everlasting life. That's the other option. That's the only two options after death. To yeah. perish or to live separate from God for eternity or to have everlasting life living with God for eternity. Now let me recommend a book for you if you like do you like to read? I do. And you want to get do you want to get to know your friends thinking a little bit better? Yeah. Um, let me give you a book. It's called I'll give you the title. It's called I don't have enough faith to be an atheist. Okay. And the author is Norman Geisler, G E I S L E R. Because your friend, as much as he's putting up a front and arguing with you and resistant, not even meanly, just disagreeing with you, you know, as friends do, 
uh, and, and espousing that he believes in evolution. You know, when you, it feels like he doesn't believe in anything, but he has absolute beliefs just like you do. Yes. Uh, he, he believes that red lights mean red light. He believes that yellow lines on the road mean don't cross them. You know, he, he means, he, he understands and he believes a lot. He believes that if he sits down in a chair, he has faith in that chair because he believes it's going to hold him up. Otherwise, he'd never sit in it. He believes when he flips the switch on in the office that the lights are going to turn on, even if he can't explain to you how electricity works. So in his life, he has a lot of beliefs. But the issue that he has, and I've never met him, I don't know him, but I can, I can say pretty confidently that the issue that he has with God is not intellectual, but it's moral. It's, it's a moral resistance to a God of absolutes. It's, it's accountability. <clears throat> it's the same reason why he probably doesn't like the boss at work, uh, and he probably doesn't like the speed limit, and he probably doesn't like all of these restrictions in his life. He, he abides by them, but he doesn't necessarily like them. And, and so if we can tap into the things that we agree on, you know, and, and, and agree on anything, if I could get him to agree on anything, then I'm going to start building blocks on that. And, and Geisler does a great job of getting into the mind of an atheist and equipping those of us that believe on God how to communicate with an atheist. You know, Pastor, that's awesome. You are describing him to a T. I mean, it's just, I mean, he's the nicest guy you would ever meet. He is the nicest guy you would ever meet. He's helpful. I mean, he's got some of the fruits of the Spirit. Well, I would say this. He doesn't have some of the fruits of the Spirit because the Bible says that only comes to believers, but here's what he does have. He's a very moral person. He, he has morality. He, can, he, he, he knows the difference between right and wrong. You have a morality. I have a morality. Your friend has a morality. The difference between your friend and me and you is that his morality is one that he made up himself. Because there's a line to cross. And it, once he crosses that line, he says, no more. That's, I don't believe in that. But he would believe up and, you know, he would probably be, uh, and, and he would probably be in a crisis situation in Las Vegas and help people and rescue them. He would. Um, I, I, I've, I've had a lot of friends like that when I was working. I, there's, I know a lot of good people, but, but, it, but he's got, there is something in his life that is holding him back, besides the fact that the Bible says, and again, those of you that are more theologically inclined, I know what the Bible says, that his eyes are blinded, that he's spiritually dead. I know that, uh, and I recognize that from the scriptures. But at the same time, so was Nicodemus. Nicodemus, by definition, was spiritually dead, and yet he still came to Jesus with questions. And he still came to Jesus having to, um, as a covenant believer, you know, one that's been a religious believer, he knew his emptiness. Messiah was in his, in his presence, and in the moment, he rejected him. I see Zacchaeus was a spiritually dead person. Um, by the definition of being born again. And he still came to Jesus and asked questions, and he repented, and he changed. Uh, and so your friend is very similar. He, he has some intellectual things too, you know, and I don't blame him. Um, intellectually, there are some roadblocks when it comes to faith, but they're just that, they're roadblocks. So I, I'm reminded of this, and you're right. You said you won't be the one to save him. I would even say that no one would be the one to save him because only God saves. But here's yeah. what the Bible says. The Bible says in 1 Corinthians 3, verse 6, 
Paul is writing, and he says, I planted, Apollos watered, but God gave the increase. And your friend needs more friends like you. And I believe as you get to learn his thinking a little bit more, and you get to learn the angles that he comes from, you'll be able to connect on him and build a bridge with him that you might bring him to the life and the death and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And maybe for Christmas you get him a copy of of The Case for Christ. It's just a little simple book. Oh, I don't want to read I was that. Thinking, yeah, I was thinking maybe giving him that book that you just mentioned to me because he likes to read. He's a real smart guy. He's, he's into that. Go for it. Maybe. Give them both. Yeah. Okay. I don't remember if he if Geisler wrote it directly to believers or not, but hey, put that stuff in his hands. We have nothing to yeah. be afraid of uh, yeah. of him I'm reading. Try everything for my friend. That's right. Do it. I don't want him to go to hell. Amen. Me either. Yeah. Okay, Pastor. I know if you got uh, other yeah. things you want to talk about on the radio, so thank okay. you for your time. Okay. God, God bless, bless you. Your, your uh, show, and I love it. I listen to it every day. God bless you, man. And, uh, you have a good night. Pastor. Thank you. Pray for us. I will. Bye-bye. I always do. 303-690-3000 is the number. Taking your calls and questions. David in Greeley, Colorado. David, welcome to the program. Yeah, Pastor Ed. I appreciate you and everybody involved with Calvary Live. It's a great ministry. Thank you. So I got this brother in my life. He's a Jesus-only person. He denies the Trinity. And he's trying to convert me, I guess. And I'm I'm not going for it, obviously. Okay. But it's like, what what do I what can I do to combat some of this teaching, erroneous teaching that he's trying to foist on me? First of all, email me, and I'll send you an article on on this topic. But but let's make it really easy. Where in the Bible do we see the Father? the Son, and the Holy Spirit all at the same place at the same time? Well, I'm thinking in Genesis, let us, let's make man in our own image. That's a good, that's actually a good, uh, but there's even a better one that's more explicit than that, mm-hmm. because really only two of the Godhead are mentioned there um, with the inference of three, but there's a place in the Bible where all three of them are at the, all three persons are at the right. same place at the same time. What is it? It is Matthew chapter 3, verse 17, at the baptism of Jesus. Okay. Jesus is in the water, the Father speaking from heaven, and the Holy Spirit's descending upon Jesus in the form of a dove, like a dove. Ask your okay. friend to explain that to you. Don't even tell him. Don't even say anything. Is that, if you don't believe in the Trinity, what's happening right here? That's for sure. Put it, put it back on him, because he's basically just spouting what somebody's told him. Well, I, that's th- what it sounds like. So, he says this is polytheism, you know, the Trinity, and it's like, what? Well, polytheism is the belief in multiple gods, and we do not believe in multiple gods, and neither did yeah. the Jews. We're, well, we're a monotheistic religion. That, I'm, I'm not taking it, you know. So just put it back on him and say, hey... Um, I, I'm, I get where you're coming from, but I found this passage in the Scripture. Can you explain it to me? And just let him read. Don't even tell him anything. Just Can you read yeah. Matthew 3, verse 13 through 17? Can you explain that to me? Well, I'm sure he's, I'm sure he's familiar with that. I would love to hear his explanation. All right. 
I, I would love to have him hear his own explanation of how he tries to get around this. All right, that, that's a good one. And let let it put it back on him. And then send. I'll give you some more information. It's a simple way, but let's stay simple at this point and not engage in a back at back to back argument. Let's just right. let the Bible speak for itself. All right. Then then he says, uh, "I got baptized in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit." And he he says that that's not good enough. You, you need to be baptized in Jesus' name. You were in the name of the yeah. Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Well, he says that's in the New Testament five different places or so it's in the name of Jesus and that's mm-hmm. that's what it should be so well it, it he's he's not making a full argument there but yeah. you hear the music we got to go email me I'll send you a few things okay All right, thank you Brian. All right, hey we'll be right back welcome back to Calvary live call us with your questions about life the Bible and living in Jesus right now at 303 303- 690-3000. Welcome back to today's edition of Calvary Live. This is Ed Taylor. I'm the pastor here at Calvary in Aurora. Uh, I am, I don't normally, but I'm going to date today's program. So even if you hear it as a rebroadcast, uh, I want you to know today's Wednesday, October 4th. We're just a couple days past the horrific tragedy and massacre in Las Vegas where 59 people at this point have been Uh, declared deceased, and another 500-plus. I think the last number I heard was 527 were injured. as a crazed madman, pure evil, sprayed bullets onto a field of concert goers. And if you want to talk about that today, uh, I would take your call as a priority. Uh, if If you need to process things, I know it opens up wounds for us, when it comes to the Aurora Theater shooting a few years ago here in our own city, <clears throat> just up the street from the church here, 40-plus, almost 50 people from our church were one in one of those two theaters. Um, a few were in the shooting theater, and most were in the adjacent theater, and the trauma and the difficulty and the hurt and the pain, it might have been stirred up in you again, uh, and we want you to know we're praying for you. Trauma, the feelings that you're feeling are normal and unfortunate, but they're normal for a person that's experiencing what you're experiencing. You might be getting those feelings just from watching the news. And so tonight we've declared a night of prayer at our church service here in Aurora, and we're calling it citywide prayer because we're inviting you you can come a lot of different ways. Number one, you can come here to the church building and join us in person. We're going to we're gonna start at 7 o'clock with a time of worship as we declare our, our thanksgiving and our love for God. Then as a church, we have a quick missionary update from our trip to Israel. Uh, it's not a tour. We had a mission trip to Israel. We're going to give an update on that. And then we're going to break off into time of specific prayer, and we're going to pray together and intercede for Las Vegas, uh, for our country, and for, for the, the gospel to go forth on the earth today. What's, what's God's will for our lives? Secondly, you can join us online and at calvaryaurora.org. And if you're out of the state or out on the other side of town or something, you can, you can join us. Uh, we're going to, <clears throat> we'll be here online at calvaryaurora.org. And then finally, we're going to do something we haven't done before, 
we're going to be praying over Grace FM. Usually when we pray as a church, we put it to music on Grace FM because we broadcast our live service. Uh, But we will be broadcasting live, and we will be having live prayer over the radio. Live prayer over the radio. And there is um, a necessity to um, trust that God is going to pr- going to meet us and is going to meet us in our time of seeking Him. That's what He says. If we seek Him, He will be found. saith the Lord. Three zero three six nine zero three thousand. Here's a question that came through on text: How are you supposed to forgive the shooter? Well, the shooter is no longer on the earth and has no ability whatsoever to inflict any more damage uh, that he has. And so we're to forgive the shooter, even if we, were, we are to forgive him if he was standing uh, in court. And that is, we're to forgive even as we have been forgiven. And forgiveness is a release of the debt that someone owes us. Forgiveness is saying, I no longer hold against you what I willfully and rightfully can, but because I've given up my rights to God and he has forgiven me, how can I not forgive you? And so it's a supernatural act and it's a release of our will. Now don't, for, don't confuse, and this is what happens oftentimes that withholds forgiveness is forgiveness is confused with reconciliation. Sometimes we think that forgiveness means we approve of someone's behavior. We don't. It's exactly the opposite. When we forgive, we acknowledge that there has been significant sin um, perpetrated, and we aren't going to hold it against them. We're going to trust that God is in this, and that he knows what he's doing, and he's allowed this because of sin and free will. And we're going to forgive even as Christ has forgiven us. Reconciliation can only come when there's repentance on the part of the sinner. And when there's no repentance, there's no relationship. A lot of times when forgiveness is extended, it's extended and and the other person never knows about it because they don't want anything to do with you. They've cut you out of their life. Um, They've turned their life against you perhaps or try to make your life like hard and horrible and and you got to forgive them every day. You got to forgive them every day and hope and pray that they will repent so that you can be reconciled. But repentance frees you from repentance frees you from bitterness, from resentment, from being trapped by your woundedness. And how do we do it? We do it by the power of God because in our humanity we want revenge, no doubt. And we just can't we shake our heads and go how can we forgive utter evil? Um, and if we don't forgive, we'll, we, we, it'll eat us up. It'll destroy us. And, and in this case, there's no opportunity for um, reconciliation because the guy, um, I believe, is, has met the devil face-to-face. There's no indication whatsoever that this man was born again, both by words or by his behavior. And it's sad. It's sad for all the, those that are hurt, traumatized, it's horrific. All right, let's see what uh, Kevin has to say. Kevin's calling from Baltimore. Hey, Kevin, welcome to the program. 
Thank you, Pastor. I just want to first say thank you so much for your learning and training and commitment to uh, to your calling here. Um, thank you. I wanted to to to, to, to ask you. Um, torn between four different possibilities when we see situations like this killing, and when I'm trying to talk to friends and relatives who are having a hard time kind of processing it, I'm not sure which way to go. One is biology and environment. Could it be that? Two is, could it be uh, what the Bible describes as the nature of man? He's evil. The heart is deceptively evil who can know it. Uh, three is, what what portion can be blamed or analyzed through demonic influences, whether through depression, bitterness, anger, and uh, the, uh, the those are those are like the main three that I I try to explain from a Christian standpoint. I always get the argument: well, you don't see it happening, so that's it's an anomaly. If we are evil by nature, why isn't this happening all the time? And the fourth one that I, that, that I tussle with is that as we see so much happening in the world stage with the environment, uh, floods, that maybe Satan sees his time drawing near and he's influencing uh, people behavior to, do, to, call, to call people home, to call people deaf. And, um, so those are kind of the four stances that I, I'm not sure which one they even go at when trying to explain it to, like, my mother, my sister, and who aren't processing a lot of this too well. Yeah, well, let's let's start with the larger bucket. The larger bucket uh, and the, the root cause of any evil in the world is sin. Uh, sin is the, the root of every division, the root of every death, the root of every every evil deed. Um, when Adam plunged humanity into sin uh, and into separation from God, <clears throat> the, wor- the farther a person gets from God, the worst sins they'll commit. Uh, and, and so the root, is, the root of evil is sin that came from a rebellious act that was, has been perpetrated a billion times over for the, for, through, through our lives. Because not only we were, were we born in sin, but we also have committed sin. Uh, and all of our sin, doesn't matter how big or small, always results in some kind of death. Um, that's just the way it is. It's, it may not be mass murder, as we've seen recently, um, but it could, be mass, it, could be a, it could be a spiritual murder of our kids when we speak to them in uh, horrific tones. Or, you know, it, it, there's a thousand ways that the wages of sin is death that gets manifested, and it's not just in the, the wickedness of what we saw in Las Vegas. Now, the other three that you use are actually three are actually descriptive of the Bible, really giving us insight to our threefold enemy. We have um, the our flesh, our old sinful habit patterns. We have um, the world system that we're in that glorifies death, that celebrates death, that um, you know, makes death acceptable at, at younger and younger ages uh, and makes all kinds of nonsense acceptable, just a countercultural, counter... Every, the world is the world is so against God that the Bible says if you love the world, you don't love God. That's how, yeah. that's how bad it is. And then, yeah, I see it even, even in the cartoons. It's, it's ridiculous. It, it, it is. It's, 
And it's not just the modern cartoons, although they're very much, but I mean, when I don't know about you, but I, I was raised on Bugs Bunny. And okay. you know, Elmer Fudd would walk around shooting people's heads off. I mean, that, that's just what he did. Uh, and uh, Wiley Coyote, his whole life was to murder. Uh, and now, of course, they was it was depicted as animals, but but they depicted those animals with such personality um, that that they gave them personhood. And we were just taught to you know do what, go go to whatever means necessary uh, to get what you want. I mean, right. that's a whole different discussion, but it, it's gotten much worse today. Uh, I have to, I have to concede that. So you, you've got a, a, you've got a combination uh, of disaster that that we're faced with. We, you've got a combination of depravity and the darkness of depravity, and and you kind of encapsulated it very well. We're getting closer to the end. It seems like the enemy's pulling out all the stops. Um, Jesus said that the the at the end times will be very much like the days of Noah and the days of Noah were so bad that God said, I've got to judge this sinful world. Uh, they were so bad without technology, without the internet, without automatic rifles. They, it was that bad. The sexual depravity, the idolatry, uh, the wickedness, it, it was bad. Child sacrifice. Um, you've, when I went through that passage, teaching here in, at the church, at the fellowship, mm-hmm. you know, it, there's a one-to-one correspondence to our current culture to the days of Noah. Um, mm-hmm. uh, probably in some cases even worse. And, and you know, this last, this, the depravity of man, I mean, what could possibly possess a man to, to 34, 32 stories up in a hotel? Just... You, you, you use the word possess. Yeah, the devil. I was going to... I, 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 I was walking down that path. I mean, the only thing I can conclude is that he was demonically possessed. And, and it's sad. And so what I would do to explain to my mom is I would, I would create a bucket, and the bucket is sin. And I'd start to talk to her about the concept of sin, her understanding of sin, what the Bible teaches about sin, and then I'd start to put each of the elements in that bucket. How the world system uses sin against us how the our own flesh uses sin against us and and how the the devil is kind of like the puppet master that's working all these things together to bring us to what cuz he doesn't do anything against our will like the devil can't make us do anything mm-hmm. he can right. influence us but he can't make us do anything and everyone is going to be everyone is going to be held accountable for their own actions they're not going to be able to blame the devil point. Do you find it ironic that we're making this statement, uh, this analysis of a death-like a culture that's just obsessed with death, but yet when death intervenes, we still are shocked, and we haven't become so desensitized, I guess. Is, no, that, be, no. is that Christ, God's Spirit that still exists within our environment, that still keeps, that, that doesn't allow us to be so desensitized to to, to, to evil, e- even though we are still yet so involved in it, we're still shocked by it. Well, love is an equally even a even a, a a human love. You know, for those that don't have faith in Jesus Christ, a familial love is a very strong emotion. It's a very strong connector, and when you lose a loved one, it cuts to the core of that love relationship. And 
when you see mm. other people hurting, it cuts to the core. This is where this is where it's a broader conversation. But for those of you listening in that might be atheistic or you may be resistant to God or you may be you might even believe in a religion that doesn't believe in evil. It's hard for you, isn't it? I would just speak to those listening in. It's hard for you, isn't it, to watch the news and not declare that evil. You can't there's not another name for it, is there? And these are times wow. where even tragedies like this cause those apart from Jesus Christ to really question their belief system. And so what do, what do people do? You know what? This was so quick. It was so quick to get out from under the moral weight of seeing evil, especially in the human, loss of human life, that so quickly the politicians became political, uh, the people that have agendas started to assert their agendas, uh, and, and, and begin in all sorts of directions instead of saying, this is evil. What am I doing with my life? Mm. What am I doing with my life? And, mm. and, and if someone does declare it evil, who defines what evil is? Mm. Um, because that's an important question. If you go, yeah, I think that's evil. Well, well who defines? Well, the dictionary defines. No, no, the dictionary isn't a good enough source to define right. evil for us. We have to have a moral absolute that evil becomes the opposite of. And, wow. And who defines who defined evil to begin with? Um, mm-hmm. we, just finished, um, we just finished the gospel <clears throat> of John as a church. We taught through it from beginning to end, and we finally finished. And Jesus, and a buddy of mine uh, who's been in the church from the beginning, he texted me. He said in verse uh, 21, in John 21, it says, Peter, seeing him, said to Jesus, But Lord, what about this man? And Jesus said to him, If I will that he remain till I come, what is that to you? You follow me. And so here's what happens in a tragedy like this with those that are resisting God. They look at a man like that, and they say, That's pure evil. And they associate that man with evil and evil actions, and they're half correct. They're half correct. Mm-hmm. Um, I wholeheartedly agree with that half of what they're depicting. Anybody that sees that is evil. <clears throat> but they're half wrong as well because they would have to assign to themselves some level of evilness. Maybe not that bad. Praise mm-hmm. God for that. There's very few people that are depraved as this shooter was, and we praise God for that. But is there mm-hmm. any evil in us? Do we have any potential for evil? Are we mm-hmm. all 100% good? Uh, and, and if there is any potential of evil for us, then why are we not, why are we not following Jesus? What, what is holding us back? So think of it this way. You're, you're sharing the gospel with someone, and they'll say something like, you know, I'm not going to believe in God, because what about the ones that never heard the gospel? What about those that were lost in the jungle? And there's a good Bible answer to that, but Jesus, he gives the answer right here. Hey, what is that to you? You follow me. And while people are looking for answers, Jesus is looking for commitment. Uh, and, and it's not about this guy up in a, um, what's going to happen to him? Uh, it's mm-hmm. not about him. Um, you know, it, even the discussion of evil, he's just a picture of evil. He's, mm. he's, not, he's not the full picture of evil. He's just one little aspect of it. Uh, and it's a horrific aspect of it, but the reality of his evil actions now say now bring us to a place. Well, what do you, what are you going to do with your life? 
Mm. So that's where I would, you know, what you start with, when you start with sin, trying to explain things uh, to your mom and to your friends, you remember that the end is always the cross and the empty tomb. That's where you're taking them. Yes, sir. Just remember that's the end. And it may take a little while to get there, but we're taking them from the problem of sin to the solution of sin, which is the, the power of Jesus' life, death, and resurrection, that Jesus Christ, he didn't just die a martyr's death, but he rose again a Savior's life, and he's alive today, giving Amen. explanation to the horrific things that don't seem to have a human explanation. Wow. Okay. Okay, well, thank you, Pastor. I appreciate it. You're welcome. appreciate you as well. Thank you. God bless you. Yes, sir. Bye-bye. 303-690-3000 is the number. Let's see. We're going to move on to David. David, welcome to the program. Yes, hello. How are you doing there, Pastor? Good. How are you? I'm, I'm okay. I'm okay. Um, I actually wanted to share a true story, a short story, and then pray for what has happened. And I really believe what this, the point of this story is actually going to bear weight to some of the things that people are going to deal with and part of the reason that that man might have done such a thing. Hey, you know what? Before you share your story, a couple things. Number one, I don't know why, but we could barely hear you. Okay, one second. All right. I got you. Let's see if we can get a louder volume on you. Can you hear me better? Much better. And then number two, if you could condense your story, that would be helpful. Yes, that's what I'm going to do. Okay, go for it. Yeah. Um, basically, the other the other night, just a couple nights ago, I was up and I something in my spirit. I knew I shouldn't have watched the movie. I put on the Stephen King's It out of curiosity because I wanted to overcome basically something that ter- terrified me when I was a little kid when I watched the original. Okay. I watched the second one, finish it. Um, basically, right as I'm going to bed, I start to have all these images going through my head. I'm seeing all the images, and I prayed about it, and I was like, Lord, I apologize. You know, yes, I shouldn't have watched that. Um, but at the end of the story, it was there was the message. Now, I don't know if Stephen King was even aware of putting that in there, but he put it in, and it was, do not fear. And the Holy Spirit reminded me the the Bible verse of, you know, all these verses where he says, do not fear. And, you know, basically what's going to be going on, and not only after this horrific act and it's happened, is the damage that can be done, the mental and emotional damage that can actually take place, um, not just the physical damage of where we've lost lives, whether beloved believers in Christ who were born again and have now gone to see Jesus, or those that tragically didn't know Jesus and were caught in the crossfires of this man's, you know, I don't even know what to call it. Yeah. And now those things are going to set in. People become fearful. You know, that whole movie, Stephen King's It, I accidentally stumbled upon an interview of Stephen King, and this is I'm summing it up, and then I'd like us to pray for what happened. He made that film because he developed chlorophobia, which chlorophobia is the fear of clowns, when he was a child, when he met Ronald McDonald on a plane. Just something in my heart is like, wow. So that whole movie series started from him meeting Ronald McDonald. 
So Not he to says. say clowns are bad. So but he says. If that can stem fear. Yeah, well, let's, let's go back. Imagine what a massacre that's happened and people who actually either survived, watched their loved ones die, or watched people die around them, yeah. or those that had loved ones die. And well, so now that fear might set in. Let, let's go backwards. Let's go backwards again. Yeah. First of all, Stephen King is not the arbiter of truth, uh, especially through this movie. You know, the, the idea, he, he's a liar. He's a hypocritical liar uh, to create such a wicked, evil story and then try to make the theme of it, do not fear, when the whole movie was, is set to create this evil, wicked fear in people. And it's too bad that a brilliant genius of a mind uh, isn't connected to Jesus Christ because what could be done for the gospel of Jesus Christ from that man's mind uh, would be amazing. It would be incredible. <clears throat> and so it's, it's too bad that you have those images in your mind. It's too bad that they're permanent. Um, but, you know, it's past, and I still don't think anybody should be watching it. Now, you guys listening in, you might be a little confused because um, this topic came up. But actually, remember, you guys listening, anyone on the East Coast is listening one week delayed. So he is responding to last week's show where I called everybody out and I said, I can't believe that Christians are paying any kind of money uh, to watch this wicked film that's just going to deprave. I mean, what kind of culture do we live in that says, uh, I'm going to make the number one best-selling movie of the week one about a child-killing clown? It's just ridiculous, unbelievably ridiculous. And now, a week later, we have this person that mows down shoots and hits 550 people 580 90 people we don't know the in number yet killing 658 of them because i think they're including him now in the number so 58 innocent people i had my my buddy jack who invited me to church uh, we uh, when we were teenage parents in high school we had our son eddie my buddy Jack and Debbie were also teenage parents, one of my best friends, and we had a son, they had a daughter. And we have watched that daughter grow up into womanhood, married a fine man by the name of Daniel. They were posting pictures uh, uh, that I made fun of uh, on the first day of the, they said they're in Vegas, and I said, you better not be there for country music. And they said, of course I'm here for country music because they love country music. And we just played it off. You know, that, that, that's the joke that we make with them. And then, was it Monday morning? Monday morning, my phone rings, and it's my wife. And I am sound asleep. And she says, Jessica's okay. Jessica's okay. And I'm like, what? 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 She said, yeah, I wake you up. Yes, you what? Jessica's okay. Everything's fine. And I'm like, oh, okay. And then, and then, you know, it's one of those moments. It was just like the Aurora Theater shooting. I'm like, man, what happened? And, and then it all hit me. I'm like, okay, Jason, they had left one half hour before the last show. They left to go home one half hour, Jessica and her husband, a half hour before as, as many did actually. And at any rate, it's just, um, I'm going to end the show in prayer. I just want to read off to you some guys that are serving. It's just not, this is just our family of churches. There's a lot of Baptists and Assembly of God churches, a lot of great churches, but Pastor Derek Nider, Calvary Chapel, Las Vegas. Pastor John Baldwin, Calvary Chapel, downtown Vegas. Pastor Michael Welt, Calvary Chapel, Meadow Mesa. Wayne Rispeljay, Calvary Chapel, Sunrise. 
Pastor Jimmy Morales, Calvary Chapel, Lone Mountain, Timothy Warhaluk, Paradise Calvary Chapel, Pastor John Knapp, Calvary Chapel, Green Valley, Pastor Tim Bales, Calvary Chapel, and Henderson. These are just a few of the ministries that are frontline serving with mobilizing the troops. I actually tried to get Pastor Derek on the radio today. I wasn't able to do that. He's probably busy serving. So pray for them. Pray for, pray, come out and join us tonight. We will be in prayer here tonight, seven o'clock. Join us here or join us online or join us on the radio live or on our app live because we are going to be praying over the radio as well. Usually we just have a time of praying and we put music on while our church prays, but today we're going to be praying. And there'll be prayer over the radio live and on the app and on our webs on our live stream and here. If you're in the metro area and your church isn't praying tonight, come and pray with us. And by the way, shout out Pastor Gino Geraci, Calvary Chapel South Denver, 25 years in ministry they're celebrating tonight. 20 Five years. Pastor Gino started in ministry when he was six. And you could tell he looks so young. But Gino has been a good friend to me. I love him dearly and his wife and his kids. We love you guys. Happy birthday. Happy birthday, God. We pray for intercession for all that's going on in the world today. Meet us tonight in our prayers. Please, Lord, deliver us and make us more useful for your kingdom in these last days. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you guys. Lord will be here tomorrow. Thank you for listening to Calvary Live. Be sure to tell a friend about Grace FM.